All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. It arms Get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let me know. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation, presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. 
My name is David Quadrelli, and thank you for joining us this week for episode number 64. Joining me now is my partner, Chris Faber. What's going on, man? I'm full of Italian food, as we normally are on a Friday. You made uh, a way better decision. You upgraded big time, and uh, we went to the actual Italian restaurant instead of Domino's this week. That was a lot better. We did. We weren't in a rush like last week, uh, but... That Domino's, man, compared to what we just ate, we're eating like kings tonight. Yeah, I thought you were going to back uh, back it up with Domino's because I know you seem to stand by your Domino's take, which I think is ridiculous. It's value. That's the At the end of the day, that's all it is, is it's value. And that's what you need when you're a student like myself. You need to get that value anywhere you can. Yeah, I could be. it could be my fault a little bit. I've been living on like a mill worker salary for a long time, so I've learned to, uh, to go, not, not buy Domino's anymore. I'm a Panago guy, but I heard you trash in Panago the other day too. Dude, okay. Okay, we're going to get into a pizza debate. This will have to go on the Patreon, but if you think Panago is <laughs> superior to Domino's, come on, man. I, I Well, I heard you trashing it because you don't like tropical flavors on there. You don't like like chicken and corn and, and pineapple. Like corn That's, that's good pizza? stuff on pizza. Yeah, the corn? roasted corn is oh good. It's underrated. There's, I told you, there's a mandarin orange pizza on Vancouver Island, uh, and it, no free ads, otherwise I would mention it. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, like there, that pizza is delicious. I know it's crazy to say, and I don't want to get into a huge pizza de- debate here because I want to let you uh, continue with your hosting. I'll yeah, let you let's jump going. into some actual hockey. That's okay. what this podcast is all about. Well, six- actually, before we do, we just did the card opening. Uh, maybe we you did. should mention the big news that we got this week that yeah. you completely did by yourself, by the way. Yes, yeah. So we, uh, we're we lucky enough. We're now sponsored by Zephyr Epic. Um, they're a card company based out of Surrey, but they have a lot of online stuff. You've probably seen them in YouTube videos here and there. Um, yeah, Chris and I both used the service already and it was pretty funny how we kind of got going with them. Like we jokingly tweeted at them. Both of us (laughs) were just like, Hey, come sponsor our podcast. But then I was like, Oh no, let's actually make a push for it. So I sent them a bunch of emails and like, we just went back and forth and finally we worked something out. So yeah, as of today for the next three months, we are now sponsored by Zephyr Epic. Uh, that's Z E P H Y R Epic. You can find them on all the social media platforms and in Surrey in their main shop. And then at ZephyrEpic.com. We'll get into an ad for them later and then all that good stuff. But yeah, we're really excited. We did a couple live streams of opening hockey cards and we got some pretty good stuff. Uh, we did. You got some good stuff as you kind of always do. Oh, actually, I got a pretty good card this week. I was happy with that. But, you know, it's funny because like, We've had sponsor offers from other people, and I mentioned this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, talking about Parallel, how they're such a great sponsor to have because, you know, I like beer, and I also like hockey cards. So having Zephyr come on is so awesome, and uh, the fact that, like, a local company wants to help support what we're doing is just incredible. And I know I kind of said the exact same thing about Parallel last week, uh, but the fact that they just sponsored us, it's it's awesome to have Zephyr on board. And I'm, I'm excited to keep opening hockey cards because, man, like, it hypes us up here for the podcast. Like, we're ready to it go does, after it that. It does. Like, we're juiced. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. So, yeah, why don't we get right into it? it Chris we have some injuries to talk about and I know you and I were jokingly talking about how yes the Canucks finally have injuries we got injuries to talk about boys <laughs> we were really excited that uh, that we had something to talk about that wasn't the same exact same as what we were talking about last week because like we said not much has changed but these injuries so the injury of the week is to Tyler Mott and he is going to be out for the foreseeable future and the Canucks called up Zach McEwen and Justin Bailey. So you would think, yeah, maybe one of these guys will get a look. Jim Bennings talked about how he wants to give Justin Bailey a look. He was in Utica when he witnessed two of uh, Bailey's three hat tricks that he had there. I think ben- Bennings saw two of those. And he wanted to get him a look at th- with the big club. So now he's called up. But based on the line rushes that we saw this morning, Friday morning this is, 
it looks like Tim Schaller is going to be in the lineup, but we saw Bailey and McEwen skate on the third line spot, but that was just because Antoine Roussel was having a maintenance day. So Roussel is expected to play in Saturday night's game or Saturday afternoon morning, I guess. Um, but yeah, that third line, let's, uh, let's, let's kind of talk about the third and fourth line. Cause I feel like that's where we would see a McEwen or a Bailey get into the lineup, but instead we're seeing Schaller. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot from Tim Schaller at the start of the year, but we haven't really seen a lot in the most you know recent history of him playing. There's a reason he's been the extra forward for a lot of this time. And like you mentioned, when you have a guy like Justin Bailey tearing up the AHL, leading leading the Comets and power play goals, and the speed that he has is so great to see. I mean, maybe he gets an opportunity to hop in, especially with back-to-back games. If there is one more injury, we are going to see one of these two kind of be forced into action. But yeah, when you when you go and you call two players up and they're kind of got like we've seen Zach McEwen a little bit this year, but I think a lot of people just wanted to see Justin Bailey because we've talked about the speed a lot, especially with Corey. We seem to talk about it every week, and we'll probably do it again some more this week with him. But we wanted to see what that speed can translate to in the NHL, and the fact that he comes into practice, uh, which was hilarious how they got there. Did you see like the live video from Utica Comets of them like dropping them off at a gas station yeah, and then they get an hilarious. Uber into town? Uh, so that's hilarious. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, Justin Bailey, I would have liked to see him hop into the fourth line. I know that neither Bailey or McEwen really plays the left wing, but at the same time, like, you know, you got Brandon Sutter, who's playing the right wing there. I'm sure he's, it's not too much of a swap for him to jump over to the left wing since he's a natural center in the end. So I, I would have liked to see one of them. I hope that we get to see one of them this weekend. Like, honestly, even if it is Zach McEwen on that fourth line, I wouldn't mind seeing Brandon Sutter, Jay Beagle, and Zach McEwen come together because those are some big bodies. And Zach McEwen always wants to prove something when he's playing in the lineup. So I wouldn't mind seeing him go ahead, go into service with the Canucks on that fourth line. But Justin Bailey's the one that everyone wants to see, I think. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a fine line because right now, like we know that the Canucks are competing and they're a competitive team now. If this was two years ago, there would be not a chance in hell that the Canucks wouldn't be putting a younger player into the lineup and seeing what they have in him. That was like that's a given. But it now, could have been Cole Lind if we were exactly. in a spot we were in a couple of years ago, which some people were calling for on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. So you look at it now and the Canucks are competitive, so they have to be thinking about winning. My argument is that that fourth line is so slow and Tim Schaller's not that great anymore. Like the shine is worn off on Tim Schaller. He had a good start to the season, but it's not there anymore. So to if you're thinking of competing and you want to win, I truly believe that Justin Bailey, a guy who's much faster than Tim Schaller, gives you that better chance of winning. Because, you know, you're taking Tyler Mott off that line. Tyler Mott's a good skater. He's fast. He's hard on the forecheck. And if you tell Justin Bailey, who's already such a great skater, tell him to do the same thing, I think good things will happen. And you let him try and explore that role. And, you know, like Corey said, he doesn't throw his weight around much. So maybe let him try and explore that role. See if he can kind of develop into it. Like, he does kill penalties for the Comets and all that sort of stuff. So... I'd like to see Bailey on that line instead of Schaller, personally. But yeah, I, I think the line's gotten a lot slower because of Mott going off it. Yeah, I, th- I think that having Schaller on that fourth line isn't like the worst thing at the same time because you have Brandon Sutter, you have Jay Beagle, and uh, there was actually a, there was a case on the Wednesday game where I saw and it was like it was Jay Beagle and it was Brandon Sutter and they were battling in the corner and I just wanted to like tweet out a picture of that and be like it's nice to see Beagle and Sutter in their office because like that is their office in the corner holding the puck and wasting time like that's where they're that's what they're trying to do every shift that they're out there and like if you look at Schaller and you look at Justin Bailey and you look at Zach McEwen like with Zach and Justin Bailey you want to see them get an opportunity to be able to you know contribute offensively and maybe that's if an injury happens to somewhere else in the lineup we get to see them because 
if if a guy goes down on the third line or if a guy goes down on the second line, I don't think they're calling up a gold opener or a bear tier. I think that they're going to go with Justin Bailey, especially like what you just mentioned with Jim Benning seeing the hat trick and seeing what Justin Bailey was able to do that one week. The fact that your GM's down there, like that's a good time to put out those numbers. And I think that he believes, you know, when you see these numbers that Justin Bailey's putting up in the AHL and you see the speed that he has, there's a reason that they went out and signed him. And it was probably because he's a guy that you want to call up to the NHL. I remember seeing him at training camp and like he was flying around the ice. And I know Corey had a close eye on him. We've said Corey's name like 15 times at the start of this episode already. But um, I know that they wanted to see him at some point, and he's a good option to have, which is something that we just haven't seen on this AHL team in a long time. And the fact that we're you know talking about what's going to be on the Canucks' fourth line is so cool because it feels like for like the last four years we were talking about like oh do we have any players that are top six players? And now that we're you know a team that's in a pretty good spot, I just like it brings such a big smile to my face to say like we're arguing about the fourth line again. Like how freaking awesome is that? It's been so long. Yeah, for sure, exactly, and you know. The injury, since we're on the topic, Jay Beagle avoids an injury. It looked like he may have hurt that same same wrist of his that he hurt last season. Um, so it's good to see that he avoided that. And it looked, for a second there, it really looked like he hurt that same wrist, same spot, blocking a shot with his right arm down. Uh, looks like he did avoid that injury, so that, that was good to see. Uh, yeah, sure. when I saw that. When I saw that injury go down and you saw him skating to the bench, barely able to hold his stick, like, and then he goes and skates off and... You know, where, where they were at in San Jose, you have to, like, skate across from the bench to the corner yeah, exactly. there. exactly. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was just like, oh, man. Like, I mean, Jay Beagle isn't one of the most key players on this team, but he plays a good, you know, he plays a decent fourth-line position. Though we have a Brandon Sutter who can hop in and, you know, jump right into that fourth line, which is honestly what I thought was going to happen before we actually saw Beagle out there skating. I was thinking, okay, when they called up Bailey and they called up McEwen, we're going to see one of them have to play the right wing on yeah, the fourth exactly. line. And Sutter's going to have to be the fourth-line center, which... Like I don't really have a problem with like if if Jay like if Jay Beagle really banged up his forearm and yeah. his, there's no way that Jay Beagle's right forearm's at 100 percent coming into this game and this, the the thing that he's gonna have to do on this team is be like the best penalty killer right that's that's the best thing that Jay Beagle brings to this team but if you're looking at it as a fourth line you know maybe Justin Bailey can hop in there his speed might be good on the penalty kill I know he doesn't really kill a ton of penalties in Utica. Uh, but, you know, maybe there's some other options that you can try out there. We've seen JT Miller grow out there. He wins a ton of faceoffs. He's an option. But that's the thing. That's why you're keeping Jay Beagle in the lineup. But, man, like, if his forearm is going to hold back any other part of his game, then I don't see why you don't just start, you know, a McEwen or a Justin Bailey. And we might even see that on Saturday, honestly. Like, we saw the, the skating on the, pra- uh, the practice on Friday. But it doesn't for sure mean that that's what's cemented in for the weekend. So I, I would be I would be excited to see one of these guys get an opportunity um, especially Justin Bailey, because we've seen a little bit of Zach McCune. We kind of know somewhat of what he brings to a team. And he's he's a guy that we want to see in that fourth line. He's one of the only guys in this organization that will drop the gloves with pretty much anyone. But Justin Bailey, the way he's been playing, the hype that he's had over the past little bit, like I would, I would just love to see him in one of these two games this weekend. I'd love to see him get a shot. And yeah, like you said, it's probably going to be on the fourth line. But, you know, there's guys like Louis Erickson. Louis Erickson had a terrible game last game that he played in and you know i i wrote about louis yeah, it's a tough twice. week for you you've been yeah. going crazy on him yeah exactly i was i wrote about louis erickson twice in the last week and you know you have to admit he had a bad game last game he's starting to you know maybe this is him coming off that pedestal he was on and now he's gonna start showing like the louis erickson the canucks fans are used to yeah. right so maybe that's what we'll end up seeing i really hope not 
But uh, if we do, why not put a Justin Bailey on that line? You know, we saw McEwen go on that line for a bit on the second line. And, you know, we talk about it every week. That second line is another shutdown line, basically. They're a two-way line, right? So I think a guy like Justin Bailey is well-suited for that line. And, you know, Brock Besser still sitting on the third line, and we'll get into that later. But I'd like to see Bailey given a shot either on the fourth line or the second line, really. Yeah, I think that that the spot that we might actually see Bailey is on the third line because – uh, we've been talking about that second line quite a bit, especially when Louis Erickson was struggling. It's like, who's going to be the guy to play with Pearson and Horvat? And a lot of people said Jake Vertanen. A lot of people said Brock Besser. And I think people said Jake Vertanen because of the speed that he has. And people wanted to see that. We didn't really get to see a lot of that at all. Maybe it's just like a little sprinkle here and there throughout the season. But then we, we were saying, okay, Brock Besser, he'll jump down there if he's not on the lotto line. He would he didn't get an opportunity there. So I think the third line, I feel like Antoine Roussel is kind of the next option to go give a run with Horvat maybe because Roussel's had some really good analytic numbers, some good underlying stats with Corsi and shot share. Like he's been very impressive when he's playing with Horvat, especially last season. I know mm-hmm. he hasn't really had a run this year at all, but I think that he would be the guy who might jump over there. And then, you know, does Tanner Pearson hop to the right wing? Does it Antoine Roussel has to hop there? Because they're both kind of natural left wingers. Yeah. I think Roussel would probably hop over to Roussel's the right wing. Roussel's got that sweet backhand sauce. Yeah, so <laughs> I, that's kind of a good that's a good point to maybe see on that second line. But then that would open up one of the winging, winger spots on that third line. And then it's like, okay, you have Adam Gaudet and you have Brock Besser currently. Like that that with uh, with a Justin Bailey, like that kind of excites me a little bit. So it's not yeah. like I'm hoping for an injury, of course, because, you know, I love I love what this roster has been able to do over the past little bit, but the fact that Justin Bailey's up here and he's not playing games is is something that, you know, we just want to see, right? Because it seems like this year has just become like almost like a Cinderella season for the Vancouver Canucks where every player is playing to their highest potential. Yeah. And Justin Bailey has a high potential. So if he hops into this lineup and he's playing with other players who are playing at the top of their game, you would probably expect to see some offense out of him and you get to see that speed maybe used to its top potential. So yeah, like we want to see what Justin Bailey can do. We're going to have to see what the lineup shakes down to. I know a lot of people were kind of throwing out the Antoine Roussel maybe hopping down to the fourth line, and then that brings up an option for a Justin Bailey to come up and play on the third line instead of Tim Schaller. But practice lines told us that Tim Schaller's back in the lineup, um, and then we're going to see Beagle as well. But like I mentioned, man, it's not the worst idea to give Jay Beagle or Brandon Sutter a night off. These guys have been through a lot of injuries in the past couple of years and you know the past few years of their career, actually. So... When you play back-to-back games, their morning starts. You know, hockey players aren't used to that. They don't get a morning skate or anything. I, I wonder if it's if it's a really smart idea to throw in one of them, and if not both of those two guys that you have on the bench for a shower and you take out a Beagle or a Sutter. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of speedsters, why don't we get into our next topic, and that is Jake Vertanen, who all of a sudden <laughs> looks like a guy who can play with Elias Betterson, And, you know... He, you know, we talk about him like every week, it feels like. And we were talking about last week how he can play that dumb style, right? (laughs) He wasn't playing that dumb style last week. He looked like he was slowing down. Like it was really looking like Jake was slowing down the game in front of him, which is good. You know, like I say that and I mean like he's not skating and like just dumping the puck in and he looks like a deer in headlights whenever he has the puck on his stick. No, like last week, this whole last week that we saw from Jake, he looked great. He was stopping up once he gained the zone and he was really surveying the ice really well. And he had a few uh, few assists in that, in that game, primary assists that you were just kind of like, whoa, who, who made that pass? Was that really Jake? And yeah, yeah it was. And it's it's not only the like the passing's one thing, but the thing about Jake Vertanen is getting him to those opportunities is his skating, right? Like he flies down a wing, he draws a defender onto him just from him having the potential to drive to the net. The defender has to go onto him pretty tight, 
And that opens up so much ice for Petey and Miller. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, JT Miller had the two goals the other night just because he had so much more space. And, you know, Brock Besser creates space as well because you need to be on that guy. You need to be worried about his shot. But it seems like Jake creates like a different space almost. And and that might be a good thing for a guy like Pedersen who takes up a lot of space himself. He draws defenders on him a lot. And, you know, that's that's the thing we're seeing with JT Miller now is he's putting, being put into these spots now where he's getting the best opportunity of the line. And that's simply because of what Jake's been able to do with his skating, getting in deep and having the puck for a long time. Like he's carrying the puck from his own blue line, across the other team's blue line a lot. He's, he's been kind of good at that his whole career. Um, he's obviously needs to learn a little bit more how to drive to the net. That's what we, a lot of us wanted to see because we thought we were getting a fast skating power forward. But I know that, uh, you know, power forwards are different. They're evolving and we're starting to see that with Jake for Tannen. And that's just opening up the ice for guys like JT Miller and Elias Pedersen. I mean, Pedersen had three breakaways on Wednesday night. You know, like two two clear cut breakaways and one partial one that he got a tip on. But man, like I don't know, like we didn't really see PD get that opportunity when Brock Besser was on the line. Like Brock Besser was the one getting the breakaways. Yeah, exactly. And you know, PD didn't score those breakaways, but neither did Brock <laughs> Besser. Um, but no, Jake Vertanen on that line, he's playing like a guy who knows that Brock Besser's knocking on the door for another chance at that first line. And, you know, Jake Vertanen probably didn't picture himself playing on the first line at the start of the season, especially with how the start of the season went for him with Travis Green and everything <laughs> yeah. there. Um, but, you know, he is in a contract year and he's he's his goal from the start has been to score 20 goals this season. He said he wanted to do that. I think he's at 15 right now. And that's that's pretty good. That's what he got last season, I believe. So that's a pretty good number for Jake to be reaching already. And he's getting reps on the first line. And I would suggest maybe he needs a look on that first unit power play. Well, he scored a, a beautiful goal, uh, you know, on that second power play unit the other day. And I, I yeah, it's hard with that, with what's going to go on with the power play. Because the second unit's been able to produce... But how different is it if I'm guessing Brock Besser is your guy to take off or yeah, is it Horvat? Yeah, yeah, Besser. Okay, because I, I, man, I, I like Brock Besser on that spot because I feel like when the ice opens up on the power play, like when you're when you're seeing the penalty killers lean to his side, they're leaning to Pedersen's side, and I think Brock has the quicker release than Jake, and I think that if he does get some space, I think he's the guy that you want to have on that first unit. But you know, I would have time to to argue that maybe Horvat could be a guy who drops down to the second yeah, unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Horvat, we've seen him at times on the first unit be a guy who can play the half wall, and if he's the guy that the power play runs through on the second unit, it's you know it might be better to have Horvat running through him instead of a guy like Jake Vertanen. But I mean, then you put Jake Vertanen in front of the net. So like, I, I don't know. I don't really want to move the power play units too much because I like what I'm seeing. the The second unit's been able to score a lot of goals of yep, late, yep. and that goal by Jake Vertanen was just like that was a scorer's goal. Like he scored a great goal. He stepped up into the slot, had just enough ice in front of him, enough space to get that wrist shot off, and and he didn't miss. He put it exactly where it needed to go, and he scored a beautiful power play goal. So yeah, I mean like. Shotgun Jake is, is running hot. I'm wearing the shirt today because you it's are. been a good week for Jake Vertanen, man. Well, that second power play unit, think of how far it's come since the end of the last season. Marcus Granlund, that was, oh. it was running through Marcus Granlund there. And that yeah. was, uh, Hughes got his first two assists on the second unit power play. And speaking of Quinn Hughes, I think that's a player that we can kind of, we should be talking about right now because he had a big week. He had arguably, in my opinion, from watching him all season long, I think he had his worst game of the season this past week. I think mm. that was, probably his worst game and yeah, then he, he had that giveaway at the very yeah, start of the game the gave giveaway up a goal. yeah and he's like he he hasn't had too many of those plays you know mm-hmm. what i mean like it's like you kind of give him a free pass because of everything else he's able to do and you know we thought there was going to be more of that at the start of the year we totally did we we thought he was going to be much worse than he actually is now like he surprised a lot of us for sure um 
but I think we need to talk about his ability to bounce back from that bad game. Like, yep. you wonder. It, it, the thought obviously creeps in your head. We had Elias Patterson last year, slowed down in the second half. You know, this kid just This went, is about the time right now. Yeah, exactly. Where you it. So you just went to, he just went to the All-Star game. First game back from the All-Star game, right after making Wayne Gretzky's voice crack. He comes back, and he has one of his worst games of the season. So then, you know, the thought starts to creep in your mind... Is this what's going to happen in the second half? Is Hughes, was this all just like first half success and now it's gone because, you know, he's getting tired? Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. He bounced back huge in that last game that the Canucks played. Yeah, and the funny thing is that game that he just played against San Jose is the one you're talking about. Uh, that was the first game in 12 games where he played under 20 minutes, you know, and that's something that Travis Green needs to kind of monitor over the next little bit because you mentioned, like, you know, he hasn't gone through what a full NHL season can do to a player, right? Like, Quinn doesn't have the muscle buildup that, you know, see a lot of these veteran NHL guys have on their body. Like these young kids, like, I don't know, like it's weird to even like say this because I feel like the young kids now are just like so much more impressive than we've seen over the past year. And it seems to get better every single season. But then again, you have an Elias Pettersson last year starts to slow down. And I think that that wasn't really due to Pettersson. I think that was due to a lot of what the league was looking at him, mm-hmm. which brings up a, a great conversation about that with Quinn Hughes, because it's not like you're game planning how to stop a defenseman from scoring. Like Quinn Hughes affects a game in a different way than a forward forward would in a very different way. And that's why he maybe has more impact on a game than some yeah. people think compared to Pedersen, because the thing that Quinn Hughes does so well is move the puck from his defensive zone into the offensive zone, whether if he's passing it or bringing it up himself, like you don't really game plan for that for Pedersen. You were game planning that you needed to shut him down in the Pedersen zone. That's where he scored every single power mm-hmm. play goal last year was in that little three foot circle on the ice. So when you're game planning for Pedersen, it's different because you're not you're not setting up a game plan to stop a defenseman from carrying the puck up ice, right? Like I don't think you are. I don't, well, they might do it a little bit. Like obviously you got to mention what Quinn Hughes is doing, but I don't know if his game is something that you can shut down from another team because he's got so many different skills yeah, to exactly. beat you with. And that's what he, that's what another thing Quinn Hughes does is keep the puck in the offensive zone, yeah. and he tires the opposition out, and he does that very well. I would have loved to have seen Quinn Hughes play with Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Oh, I just the amount of goals that would come from just them tiring out the opponent to the point where the opponent like has absolutely nothing left. <laughs> the like, amount of shifts they would have had against the Edmonton Oilers yeah. back in the day oh, of like three minutes go. in the zone. Oh man, I yeah, I wish we could have seen that, but yeah, Hughes has been incredible this season and I think something we do need to talk about is yeah that ability to bounce back from a bad game and come have one of his best games of the season against San Jose like that shot from the point that was sneaky good and you know we use the term sneaky good to to uh, talk about his shot quite a bit yeah I mean it's funny because like you do so much scouting on these players before they come into the NHL like all of us were watching him at Michigan last year we saw so many clips and it's like he was taking a lot of shots last year, but he wasn't taking shots like he did this year. Like, that goal against San Jose was was great, and the Canucks needed that goal. I mean, that's a huge goal for them at the time, and the fact that Quinn Hughes is the one leading your team and make a comeback victory, like, that, that's just so great to see. And, like, yeah, like, this is something that he obviously had to work on in the offseason to get better at. His shooting has definitely improved, and... And I mean, he's he's getting confident with it. Like we see it on the power play. I think all year long, I just thought that Hughes was going to be so great on the power play because he could just feed Besser, he could just feed Patterson, and the one timer was going to be awesome for Patterson, and Brock Besser was going to score a ton of goals. But man, the fact that you know this trio that's playing on the top of your power play can, and now the the guy in the middle can take a shot. Like he's getting a lot of passes from Brock Besser that he's just one timing. And you know, you you look at Patterson on the other side, and you're like, oh, just like one more pass, get it to Patterson. Yeah, for it. yeah, but the fact that Quinn Hughes is proving 
that he can score that goal is just great for Pedersen because now that guy who's playing on the top left of your penalty kill is going to start shading the Hughes a little bit, and that just opens up space for Pedersen to either take a shot or pass it down low to, uh, to Bo Horvat or JT Miller behind the net. And that's that's what the power play needs, right? I always talk about positional fluidity, and I've gotten so much better at pronouncing it since uh, since ten episodes when I said it for the first time. Uh, but that's something the power play needs, and maybe that line, maybe that uh, that group, that first unit, just needs to shoot the puck a little bit more. And when when Brock Besser passes it back to Quinn Hughes and he fires a shot, you're just like, yes, like that's what we want. We just want more shots a lot of the time. Like you guys have so much skill, take these shots when they're there. And Quinn Hughes, the fact that he is doing that, like I I just. Yeah, like the kid blows me away. It seems like every two weeks there's something else that he does where I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know he could do that. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I think he does really well is get the puck through on the power play. And that's something, you know, we watched Alex Edler for a lot of years hit some (laughs) shin pads in his day. uh, And the puck just gets cleared out. And, you know, Hughes is really good at getting that shot through. It doesn't have to go in every time, but getting that shot through traffic and to the goalie where there's guys in front looking for a rebound, that's really an underrated part of his game for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, and I mean, like, he, I don't know, he just, the kid just keeps wowing me, man. Like, every single week, the kid does something where it's just like, man, like, that's so huge for the team. And the fact that he's just, a, you know, a 20 year old kid coming in and able to do this, an all star, that's just, yeah, like, he's having a season that makes you say, like, this, this is one of the better, not only rookie defenseman seasons, but like, this is, this is to the level of where Pedersen did last year, it feels like, with the, the way that he impacts a game is so similar to what we saw Petey do last year. And the fact that you're adding two of those players back-to-back and you're now like being run by two players, one's in their rookie season and the other one's in his second year, Like this team's in a number one spot in the Pacific Division and they're being run by two guys that are under 21 years old. Like That's madness. Like The Canucks have themselves in such a good spot. I, re- I just wrote about that recently. Like This Canucks team right here... They're already making memories, but man, when this team gets to the playoffs, like, and, and I think they are, like, there's, if they don't make the playoffs now, it's a colossal fault. Like, the team would have to fall apart real bad to not make the playoffs this year. Like, they would have to go on one of these crazy losing streaks that we have seen over the past couple of years, but something feels different about this team. Like, even when Justin Bailey, like, we talked about him for the first 15 minutes, if that's the guy you're calling up and Zach McEwen's the guy you're calling up, that's not what it was like over the past couple of years. And the fact that you're bringing up these guys, that's why this team feels different. And I know that you mentioned it like a couple of weeks ago, like, man, this team has all the pieces to do a deep playoff run, right? Like if their goalie gets hot at the right time is what you talked about. And Jacob Markstrom seems like there's times where he, he can go and win you games. And I think we've talked about that a lot. Like it's great to have a goalie that can win you games, but man, if you're in the playoffs and a goalie can win you two games, put you over the top in two games and outplay another team's goaltender, that's even bigger. Like that's the thing that I want to see now. And and yeah, like this team, things are starting to come together. They're leading the Pacific. They're starting to you know increase their lead a little bit because we saw at the All Star game they were up by one point, up to sixty two points now, a couple points up on second place, and they're kind of just making waves. So like, why not us? That's that's what I kept writing in the article. Like straight up, this Canucks team has the pieces. So like, why not? Like what? Like do you have anything that's saying like why? Like why not this team? Not really. Yeah. It's tough to say why not. But other than the fact that it's a young core and they don't have a lot of playoff experience, that'd right. probably be my only reason. But hey, man, what happens when Pedersen's 24, yeah. right? Like, where is this team going to be? It's only up from here. And I used to think that, but now I'm thinking, like, you know, like the spots that they have with these players, like Alex Edler and Chris Tanev and Jay Beagle. Yeah, and, no, that's a good point. And you mentioned, like, even, like, Brandon Sutter, like, though he doesn't have a ton of playoff experience in the NHL, like, he's the type of guy you want in the playoffs, and I know we talked about... J.T. Miller. J.T. Miller's a perfect example. Like, he's the guy that I want to talk to, uh, which I'm trying to get some credentials with the Canucks for, because, like, 
what did JT Miller learn last year from that sweep? Again, you know, as the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. he comes in as the best team that we've seen in decades, and they get swept. Like, man, what do you think JT Miller wants to do in the next time he gets into the playoffs? And and he was good for Tampa Bay. He's one he of the was. only guys with a positive scoring uh, chances and positive uh, shot share in the playoffs. So he, like, man, he must have learned a lot from getting swept last year from the Columbus Blue Jackets and. And yeah, like I don't know, just like even like up and down, like you see this team and you see the players that they're gonna have to call up, and it it just feels different, and it's so weird to actually like like my brain has done such a one eighty, especially for the past two weeks, where it's just like, man, but uh, I, I like I almost want to just go in and say like this is a hundred percent a playoff team, but like I can't take the bait yet because I've seen this team fall apart, and I know they're on a great streak right now. I think like thirteen of their past sixteen like wins or something like that, like that's ridiculous. The other thing that I saw the other day. Uh, so last week I was on Rinkwad, and we were kind of just talking about teams in the Pacific and who actually has best chance. The Canucks have 23 regulation wins, and that's more than any other team in the Pacific Division. The Edmonton Oilers have 21. No other team has 20 uh, wins in regulation. So a lot of these teams that are bundled up in that spot, they're there for a reason because they just keep going to overtime against each other. Mm. They have like 10-plus overtime wins. The Canucks only have like five at this point. So like they're winning games way bigger than the rest of the teams in the Pacific are. And it shows when you look at the standings to see the Canucks are ninth in the NHL in, uh, in goal differential. There's a reason for that. Like they're, they're winning games big compared to what else, what the rest of Pacific is doing where they're sneaking out a bunch of games in shootouts or sneaking out a bunch of games in overtime. And the Canucks are like, they're a better team than any other team in the Pacific division. Like, oh, for sure. If I were to say right now, they're the best team in the Pacific. They're at the top, obviously. So, I mean, you can say that that with facts, but at the same time, you look at the roster top to bottom, like yeah, they don't have a McDavid or a Dry Sidle on their team, but their team is deeper than Edmonton. They also don't have a Sam Gagne. That's true. <laughs> That's a very good point. Like they're they're deeper than the teams. They have three lines that can score. They have a fourth line that can go out there in fourth line. But like, I don't know. Like I'm drinking the Kool Aid, man. Like you I'm might drinking be a so little much. bit. Yeah, I'd say the only team that could really give the Canucks a run for their money, and I mentioned it in my Canucks Army article. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> The Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I knew, I knew you were going to say that. They're yeah. like, well, I think it was two and eight in their ten games against the Knights, and they're being outscored forty-five to twenty-six, something crazy like that. Like the Knights have had the Canucks number. So in a seven-game playoff series, yeah, I really worry about the Canucks matching up against them. But if they can somehow avoid Vegas in the first and second round, there's absolutely no reason that this team can't go to the Western Conference Final. Yeah, and you, well, yeah, now now he's drinking the Kool Aid. But <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> you look at uh, Vegas's defense core, and it's just it doesn't stack up against the other teams, even in the Pacific Division defense core. But man, their forward group is good, and the thing about their forward group in Vegas is they're great two-way forwards. But I, I agree with you. Like, I've <laughs> the closest I've ever came to walking out of a Canucks game was last year when they. Uh, was definitely uh, oh, I'll tell the story. So I was at um, so we're at Rugby Sevens uh, throughout the day, and obviously Rugby Sevens for people who haven't gone is just such a party. So we're drinking all day. Uh, we make it to the game, and uh, we get to that game. They score five goals. Vegas does in the first period against the Vancouver Canucks, and I think it was like twelve minutes in or something. You like, were at that game. I was at that oh, game. Marky got pulled. Yeah, oh. it was tough to watch. Demko actually came in and played very well. But, um, yeah, we were sitting there, and obviously after drinking from, like, 10 in the morning till 7 at night, I was not a happy guy either. Uh, so, yeah, that's the closest I ever came to walking out of a Canucks game. I've, like, always made it to the end of Canucks games. But that was the closest I've ever came to walking out. And, and you, you do have a point. Like, there's a certain point of, of every sport where something is just mental. And maybe it's mental when they go into Vegas. I know the record's horrible when they're going into Vegas. And, yeah, this year, obviously, like I said, it's different. 
But the mental things that you have against other teams, like you mentioned with a two and eight record against the Knights, that's something they're going to have to overcome. And, and that's probably a team that there's, you know, very likely they're going to run into them at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Like I wrote about it in the article, the way they avoid the Knights is with sheer luck. Like <laughs> it's, it's going to be very tough for them to avoid running into Vegas. And, you know, Vegas is such gotta a young... win. They got to win the Pacific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have to win the Pacific, but you know, I'm, I'm just saying like right now, if the Canucks win, if the Canucks win the Pacific and Ve- Vegas is in the second wild card spot right now, mm. if they're in the first wild card spot, and we're still assuming that the St. Louis Blues are going to have more points than the yeah. Canucks, there you go, Vegas first round despite winning the Pacific, Man. which would just be awful. Like <laughs> you, you would take any other team in the Pacific yeah. really than Vegas. Like I think Vegas is the only team that would maybe have the potential of sweeping the Canucks in the first round. Like I said. Um, in my in my article that like you know the Canucks probably aren't going to get swept in the first round. No. You know, I'm 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 thinking that it's very feasible for them to go through the first round. You know, anything after the second round I'd say like reaching the Western Conference final, I'd say anything after that is considered magical. <laughs> <laughs> it is and and you know this this season right now is almost feeling magical, right? Like that's kind of what I wrote about. Like the 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 title of my article was the Canucks are ready to make some memories and like I don't know. You can tell me, like you've heard me throughout this first little bit here. Like I'm, I'm buying in at this point. Like that this team is good. I know that there's a lot of people out there that have told me not to buy in, and, and that's fine because I think that you know that we've seen what this team has done over the past couple of years. They've fallen off at certain times. The Canucks obviously haven't had very many injuries this year. They just haven't run into injuries with any of their top players, right? Their top six has been able to play the whole year, aside from if you want to count Michael Furlan as a guy who would be a top six player. We haven't really seen him that much this year. But then again, like that could be an added bonus as well. I know he's supposed to start uh, skating. He's going to go on a, a little trip down to Utica and do a little skating down there. Maybe I don't know if he's playing games or not or just skating, but I'm sure he's going to play at some point. And, and man, like they don't have to add anyone at the deadline if you bring in a Michael Furlan. I know that there's a lot of talk about Troy Stetcher getting moved at some point at the deadline here, but... It's not like they really need anyone. Like they have a seventh defenseman who's I'm okay hopping into the bottom pairing right now. And even if you look at the guys that are playing on that bottom pairing, if it's Tyler Myers playing with Fantenberg, like Tyler Myers can hop up into your top four if an injury happens to your top four. He was brought in here to be a freaking top pairing defenseman, right? Yeah, totally. And, and that's something Benning talked about in an interview is, you know, he doesn't really want to mess with the chemistry of this team. And, you know, this team right now, they all want to play for each other. They have all the makings of a team that, you know, like you said, what are we saying here? But we're talking about <laughs> how magical this team is. But it's true. Like, they are, they're playing for each other. They have the makeup of a good team. And they all, you know, everybody in the dressing room likes each other. And it's it's a really good sign. And you don't really want to mess with that. My freaking heart's beating too fast. Uh, I'm getting all excited just because, like, I just keep thinking of, like, playoff hockey in Vancouver <laughs> and how cool it is going to be. Uh, but, I mean, like, we should probably send a break here in a second. But before we do, uh, can you maybe uh, – so we had some microphone troubles uh, before we got started again. Do you want to tell that story a little bit? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we're in here trying to figure out, oh, man, the soundboard. This, the soundboard's not working. We can't get our mics on. We're testing. Test, test, test. Nothing. We're not getting anything. So – we uh, go to another studio in in the in BCIT, and we try and like, Faber grabs him, grabs two mics. He comes into the room with two mics. He goes, "Yo, check if that mic's on." This is twenty minutes after we had been like just like the little power them. switch yeah, on the microphone. Little power switch on the mic was off, and we were like messing around with the soundboard, trying to figure all this stuff out. And I'm like crawling like, on my hands and knees behind the computer, like <laughs> unplugging stuff, replugging stuff. 
and it was the on switch. So yeah, we figured that out. With that, let's go to our first ad, and that is from our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing. All right, guys, before we get to the second half of the episode, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Parallel 49 Brewing Company. Make sure to check out their special beer for Super Bowl weekend, which is probably one of the coolest names I've seen for a beer. The name of the beer is Superb Owl, which if you put together, Super Bowl, how you doing? Uh, so go out and try that Super Bowl or Superb Owl beer for this Sunday Super Bowl coming up here. You guys can find them at 1950 Triumph Street or head down to the uh, Agassiz Restaurant, I believe is how you pronounce it. That's down in uh, East Van. I uh, checked it out that place the other week. That might be where we're looking to do the live show. So, yeah, go try out that Super Bowl, Superb Owl beer, and uh, definitely go drink some Parallel 49 for this Super Bowl weekend. I don't know why they don't do the Super Bowl on a Saturday, but I won't get into it here because this is a Parallel 49 brewing ad. So let's get back to the rest of the episode. So we somehow forget to do it every week, but uh, we would like to remind you all to please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps us move up the charts and all that stuff, and that's something we're trying to do. So yeah, go ahead and leave us a five-star review, please, on Apple Podcasts. Our rating is, is really good, by the way, right it now. Is. It is. five stars, and we have 63 ratings, I believe. Yeah, we've got a lot of good stars. reviews, so I hope nobody takes this as a challenge to go <laughs> put a terrible review there. So yeah, definitely go leave us a review. It really helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, and as we mentioned stuff that we always forget to talk about, if you guys want to jump on the Patreon page, I guess we don't forget to talk about it on Twitter since we're always tweeting about it, but we forget to mention it here uh, on the podcast. If you guys want to help support the show, uh, patreon.com slash Convo. Um, and I know we've been talking about throughout January that we're going to do free t-shirts to everyone who comes in the hero tier. And, uh, you know what? We've, you know, obviously just adding the sponsors has given us a little bit more money to play around with as well. And, you know, having more people join the Patreon has helped us out as well. So, uh, we're going to continue that through February. We're going to give out free t-shirts. We got some hockey cards here in front of me. I got, I was showing quads. I got about 300 different, uh, Canuck cards that we'll, we'll be giving away to you guys. And, uh, same thing for February as we're doing in January. We're just going to pick one random person who is a hero tier supporter of the show and they will be able to win a cool prize. And since we mentioned we're getting more money, that means it's going to be an even better prize than this month. Uh, so speaking of the Patreon, if you guys want to jump on it right now, we have an interview with Aiden McDonough that was like 30-plus minutes. We had an interview with Brent Sopel, which was so much fun. That was 37 minutes. And most recently, I talked to Jet Wu, who was on there for about you know just under 20 minutes, about 17 minutes or so with that interview. But it was a great conversation. Speaking of that, though, we are going to throw right to an interview right now, which we somehow forgot to mention at the start of the show because the host uh, choked on that one a little bit there, Quads. Uh, but uh, we are throwing to our Carson Folk interview right now. I got a chance to talk to him for you know about 17 minutes or so. Talked about a variety of different topics. So yeah, let's just throw to that right now. Here's the interview with Carson Folk. All right, guys, joining me now, 2019 fifth-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks, 133rd overall. It's Carson Folk. Carson, how you doing today? Good, how about yourself? I'm doing pretty awesome, man. Uh, it's just a great day over here in Vancouver. And I kind of want to start there because uh, the draft was in Vancouver. You got a chance to come over here for the Prospects Camp as well. Uh, what were your initial thoughts of the city of Vancouver? Um, they were all really great. Um, just coming down there for a development camp was really awesome. Just being downtown, uh, being able to have some time to go out and explore the city, it was really awesome just to do that with the guys. So, yeah, it's been really positive. Yeah, no doubt. You're, you're in Calgary, though, now, and you've been there for, you know, a couple seasons after getting traded from the Tri-City Americans, and Jet kind of talked yep. about it as well. Uh, the town of Calgary, I mean, it, it's pretty awesome for a WHL team to be there because you guys have so much around you. You guys have some of the greatest facilities in the league. Like, uh, what's it like playing for the Hitmen? Like, how awesome is it to be in that organization? Yeah, it's really special. I'm coming over here. It was definitely, uh, definitely a change from what I was used to in Tri-Cities, but it's been, it's been awesome just playing in uh, – 
a really great facility like the Saddle Dome and just being able to just kind of see the the pro schedule going on around you as well. It's uh it's really special and then having having the city a lot of options to go out and good places to eat. So yeah, it's it's really good being here. Yeah, I, I heard about some good grilled cheese spots from Jed. Do you have a favorite restaurant? <laughs> oh, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about Sidewalk Citizen, but um <laughs> Yeah, I got a few. I got a few good ones. Uh, Native tongues downtown, probably my my favorite. It, really it, good spot. I'm hoping that your favorite food isn't grilled cheese, though. As well, is it something else? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of a. It's kind of a taco place, actually. Oh, right on. Well, that's good stuff. Yeah. What, what's your favorite kind of taco? What's the meat in there? Where do you go with? Oh, I go a bunch of different routes, but uh, pulled pork's been good. Brisket's been good. There, a lot of good options. Well, that's good. You're gonna have to start getting into seafood though when you get over here to the West Coast. Yep. Yeah, my favorite food is sushi, so I think I'm be okay. Well, that's good stuff. That's that's interesting because you're a guy that was born in Regina. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit because you know, obviously, Saskatchewan's an incredible province for hockey players. It's you know, it's hockey country. It's God's country over there. But you know, like, mm-hmm. what's what was it kind of for you growing up? Was it always going to be hockey, or were there other sports that you played growing up? Yeah, I think from a really early age, it was always hockey for me. Um, I definitely played a lot of sports growing up pretty much everything um nothing really competitively except lacrosse played lacrosse every summer along with spring hockey but yeah for me my passion's always been hockey yeah well that's awesome when was it when you kind of like committed to being hockey for sure um i would say pretty earlier on like i was definitely thinking i would definitely go that way but i think maybe bantam um when i moved away from home i was 14 i believe went to notre dame i think that was probably where i really decided well, that's pretty cool. And the fact that you got to go back to your hometown this year for the outdoor game, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was a really special day. Um, definitely something I didn't think I'd be doing in the Western Hockey League, playing outside in Mosaic Stadium. So it was, it was really cool to play in front of my family and friends. Just such a cool setting. And it was awesome to get the win that night, too. Definitely a night I'll remember for a while. Yeah, no doubt. Like, Did you guys take up a whole section of family and friends, or how many people did you have at that one? I'm not sure, too sure, but quite a few. I know it was really cold out there. So I definitely appreciated them coming out to support. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I heard some snow started coming down. Like, how awesome is that just to be at the outdoor game? Yeah, it wasn't too much. It was just a, a little bit coming down, but definitely set the atmosphere just at another level that you could really tell you were outside. No doubt. What were? I guess we kind of touched on a little bit, but what were your initial thoughts when you got traded to the Hitman? Um, there were definitely some mixed emotions. Uh, I liked my teammates in Tri-City, but it was a, kind of a fresh start, and I was really excited about that opportunity to come into a spot where I was maybe going to play more as a 17-year-old. So right. I was really excited at the opportunity. And that's that's so crazy. Like you mentioned, you got traded at 17. I think that like a lot of people don't really understand, like what's it really like for a junior player when you have to you know get up and move not only cities, but you're moving countries at that point. Like that's a lot for a 17-year-old. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a transition for sure. There was a couple of weeks where I didn't have my stuff. So <laughs> I wasn't able to go back to Tri-City to grab my stuff. So yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a huge transition. I had to change billets and everything too, which was a which was a change that I really like my billets at Tri City. But I've had nothing but good things to say about the city of Calgary. Right, and then last year is kind of your breakout season at WHL. You put up twenty six goals. What was something that kind of changed and you know found some more success with last year? Yeah, I think last year I was kind of finding my way. Still, um, first half I think I had six six goals in the first half. And then put up 20 in the second half. I think I just went home for Christmas and just said, hey, I got to gotta step it up. Got to play my game to the best of my ability in the second half. And I think that's what I did. 
Yeah, well, no doubt. And you've obviously been off to a great start this year, 22 goals so far. Uh, what's it like for you now being, you know, as a 20-year-old player on this team, and you got to be a leader, and you're obviously leading them in the stat sheet quite a bit, but, you know, to, off the ice, I guess, a little bit. Like, what's it like for you? Because you've you've grown up in the WHL, man. You played as, you know, a 15-, 16-year-old kid with Tri-City, and now you're at this point kind of at the end of your career. Like, what have you learned throughout these five years? Yeah, I think I've definitely just learned a lot of things, picked up a lot of things along the way. I think work ethic is the biggest thing, just every day trying to get better, just the little things that you do every day to take care of your body just so you're that much more prepared for the next game because you're playing a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And so I think just that, those type of things, I try to be a leader and by setting the right example, I try to lead by example. So just doing those things every day and uh, bringing my best foot forward to the rink every day, just kind of to set the, set the tone around the rink for the younger guys as well. Right, so like when you're in your fifth year, do you got to be one of the louder guys in the locker room? Like, are you running the jokes now or what? Um, yeah, I'm in my fourth year, um, but yeah, I'm not too too loud. I definitely like to get in there a bit, but uh, I mostly lead by example. Just do the right thing. I'm not too loud in the dressing room, but uh, when something needs to be said, I'll definitely say it. I'm not afraid to do that. Well, that's awesome, and I know that you and Jed are kind of a part of the captain group there, but uh, can you tell me about your captain a little bit there in Calgary? Yeah, Mark, he's a really good guy. Definitely someone that uh, I consider a really good friend. And uh, it's been awesome playing uh, playing with him these last three years. Um, he's an awesome guy, really. He um, definitely embodies that lead-by-example mentality. He's not too too loud, just like myself, but he definitely leads by example on and off the ice. Right, and, and last year you got to play in a couple of different, uh, couple of rounds of the playoffs at least. Like, What's that jump like for mm-hmm. people who don't watch a lot of WHL hockey going from regular season to playoff hockey? Yeah, I think just like any league, the level of play is ramped up a lot. And, uh, you know, everything's on the line, so everyone's putting their best foot forward. And it's definitely really competitive. So I think um, just your habits that you develop uh, throughout the season and definitely uh, can carry you a long way in playoffs when you have to play the right way every shift. Right. So we mentioned this is your final year in the dub. You're going to move on to professional hockey next year. Uh, the Utica Comets, man, like uh, when we're looking at some of these prospects like yourself and other ones that are coming in, you, you guys are going to have a real exciting team next year. There's a couple guys that are going to move on and there should be some spots opening up for you. Like when you look at what the jump is going to be like going to professional hockey and jumping in the AHL, uh, is there certain things that kind of worry you and you think that you have to work on a little bit going into that or are you not too worried about it? Um, I wouldn't say I'm worried about it. I think I'm just always trying to move my game forward. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if I'm going to go into my first year of pro next year, I think i got to have a really big summer. Um, that's something I definitely plan on doing. Um, I think i got to um, maybe build up my strength a bit more, just be in the gym a lot this summer. But, yeah, I think it comes down to just uh, also being mentally prepared, just being ready to, to jump into a role, whatever I'm whatever I'm given so um, yeah I'm really looking forward to the opportunity right and I've heard a lot of guys from this Utica team talk about you know the jump is similar to what it was like coming into the WHL right like what were some of the things that you mm-hmm. learned from your first couple games in the WHL yeah I think uh, just the speed and the pace was definitely higher than uh, than midget I was fortunate enough to play a couple games when I was 15 and I definitely experienced it um, yeah I think you just got to be a bit faster at every level you go up just make those decisions a bit quicker um I think a lot is mental, but also also physically the pace will be a bit higher. So, yeah, I think it'll be a similar sort of jump. Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be exciting to see you there next year. I know that, you know, you've got a chance to play at this prospects camp for the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, you guys get to do a lot of fun stuff on the ice. But uh, I've also chatted a little bit with some prospects who went there, and they said that some of the off-ice stuff was even just as much as fun. I mean, you guys got to do the grouse grind. You got to go visit a children's hospital, do some of that off-ice cooking stuff. Like, what were some of the things that you took away off the ice from prospects camp? 
yeah, it took away a lot of stuff. Um, it was cool, like a lot of good learning opportunities. Definitely not the best cook, you could say. So uh, being able to go into the kitchen and do some of that stuff was pretty cool. Um, the gross grind was, uh, although it was definitely a grind, it was, uh, it was pretty scenic. It was pretty fun to do with the guys. But yeah, I just took a lot of uh, a lot of stuff away, made some friendships and stuff that uh, I definitely cherished. So yeah, it was a good time. Right, and you know the Vancouver Canucks are famous for having such great work off the ice in the community. And I, when I was talking to Jet, there's something that you guys are working on right now with the Calgary Hitmen with donating blood. Yeah, yeah, Hockey Gives Blood is a, a charity that uh, me and Jet are ambassadors for. And uh, just recently we uh, got to shoot some stuff with them and uh, just do uh, some stuff in the community with them, trying to raise awareness. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. Well, that's awesome. And uh, speaking of Prospects Campus, we kind of touched on a little bit there. Uh, everyone that I've talked to was blown away with the Swedish prospect, Niels Hoglander. Were you in that same boat? Yeah, yeah, I got to meet Niels at, uh, at the camp. He's definitely a special player. Watched him at the, the World Juniors and stuff. You can see that the type of moves he pulls off. It's pretty crazy. So, yeah, he's definitely a special player. Right, and, you know, it, it's pretty cool for you. I mean, you guys, you were drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. Jet was drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. How cool is that for you guys to kind of, you know, have that conversation on the side throughout the season? Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, Jet is uh, one of my really good buddies, and we've been buddies for a long time, just kind of growing up in hockey and playing on the same international teams and whatnot. So, yeah, it's really – it's really fun, especially that he's here in Calgary now, again, traded in the offseason. It's definitely lined up. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Definitely having a familiar face when I came to the development camp right away was definitely – took a bit of the stress away for me, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so, like, you get drafted this past summer here. Uh, the draft's in Vancouver. Were you around Vancouver when the draft happened? Uh, no, I was actually in my hometown of uh, Regina. Um, oh. I was at a charity hockey tournament um, for Adam Harold. Uh, one of my uh, one of my friends that passed away in the Humboldt uh, bus crash. So oh, wow. yeah, it was kind of a cool environment. Um, all my family and friends were there. A lot of my friends were there at the tournament as well. So yeah, it was kind of a cool environment to have that happen. Well, that's well, that's a great to be around those people. Obviously, you get to celebrate a little bit. Obviously, it's so tough with what happened to Humboldt. I, I was actually in Saskatchewan. Yeah. I think we were like fifty kilometers away. My great grandma passed away, so we were up there for a uh, for a funeral for her, and we just couldn't believe like what uh, what was going on that time. Yeah, it was definitely a terrible time. Yeah, well, uh, so you get drafted by the Vancouver Canucks, your fifth-round pick. I mean, how excited for you when you find out that it's Vancouver? Because that's one of the best cities I think you could land. Yeah, no, I was super excited. I knew uh, I had never been to Vancouver at the time, but I always knew how great of a city it was and how uh, great of a hockey city it was, how much support they get. Um, being in Canada as well, being a Canadian kid, that's uh, it's obviously really special. Yeah, and then you see what, you know, they have such a good young core right now with the guys like Pedersen and Quinn Hughes coming up and Brock Fester. I mean, like, like how much do you follow the team? Do you get to see a lot of the highlights at least? Yeah, no, I definitely follow along. I'm watching the highlights for most of the teams in the league uh, throughout the season. So, yeah, definitely definitely keeping a close eye. I think it's really exciting what uh, we have in Vancouver right now, a lot of exciting young prospects. Um, got, to, got to meet Quinn. Uh, during camp and stuff, he was a great guy too. So definitely keep in touch with him the odd time. So yeah, I think it's really exciting. Well, that's awesome. How much communication do you have like with the organization as you're going through your WHL season, or do they kind of just let you hands off and do your thing right now? Um, I'd say it's uh, decently hands off. I definitely talk with uh, Chris Higgins, player development guy, a yep. lot. He kind of uh, helps me like looking at my shifts and stuff, and some areas of my game that I can improve. So I really appreciate that. Well, that's awesome. Like, what are what are some of those things that you think you have to improve on right now? Um, I think it's just little things. I think I'm always looking to improve on my speed, my acceleration. 
just having that uh, breakaway speed to pull away from guys and beat defenders wide. I think it's something I'm always working on, but I think it's just uh, little things in the game, positionally, defensively, just areas where I want to get better. Mm-hmm. And just uh, being in positions where I can produce better offensively just from where I am on the ice. Right. And how much have you learned from your coaching staff there in Calgary? Yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. Uh, Steve Hamilton's been uh, really good with his team at, since he took over last year. I've definitely uh, learned a lot of little things. I'm working with Joel Otto as well. Uh, played for the Calgary Flames for a number of years. And so he definitely works with the forwards and the centermen specifically just on positional stuff. And uh, yeah, so I think that's been a big help. Well, that's awesome, and I guess I guess one of the final questions I have for you here is the Utica Comets right now, they're one of the best teams in the AHL. Uh, their, their season's going to run pretty long. I know that you guys, when you finish your last year of junior, you get an opportunity to go down and practice with the Comets. Is that something that you kind of have in goal for the end of the year? Yeah, definitely. I think that'd be a really cool opportunity to go down there and uh, see some of those guys, maybe practice and whatever they want me to do. I, I would say I think that'd be a really cool opportunity. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, we're excited to see what you come up with in the future here, and uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. I'll see you in Vancouver when you come here. I think it's like February 21st. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff, Sounds Carson. Good. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the call. And a huge thank you again to Carson Foe for joining the podcast. Uh, I was not a part of that conversation, and I feel like I have to kind of address it because people are probably wondering why Faber's doing all these interviews. <laughs> it's because I'm working 9 to 5 basically every day of the week, and a lot of these guys are on the East Coast, and they like to be able to talk uh, at times that I'm at work. So I haven't been able to be a part of any of the interviews, unfortunately. And it also just kind of makes more sense for just one of us to do it since we're not going to come in studio to do it. So if we have any in-studio guests, that's where you'll hear me on these interviews. But for now, I'm just kind of leaving these up to Chris because he's doing an awesome job, as you could tell with that last interview. And yeah, definitely subscribe to the Patreon to hear our interview with Aiden McDonough and Jet Wu as well and Brent Sopel. Uh, we're hoping to have more Canucks prospects. We've got some good ones lined up for February. We can't say anything yet because that almost backfired on us last time we did it. But uh, <laughs> we've uh, we've definitely got some good stuff coming. So, yeah, do not forget to subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know that there's a lot more to talk about. Especially, Well, the Patreon, just as we mentioned it too, like the people that are supporting us, we appreciate it so much. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we have a goal kind of set for $500. And at the time... That was like a goal that we never thought we would really get close to, uh, especially when I set up the account personally, just running this thing by myself. Uh, but we really appreciate everyone that's uh, that's been supporting us so far. And like we say, uh, we mention in the Patreon chat all the time, like anything that the Patreon supporters want, we're going to try and make happen. So I know uh, we had a request for Jay Beagle. So we'll try our hardest to get Jay Beagle on the show. Um, players are hard to get, but I mean, we're going to try our hardest. And uh, anything that they want, we're going to do. I know that somebody asked uh, for a Patreon episode of us kind of explaining our our childhoods and how we got into hockey and what we got brought us here so maybe that's a a patreon episode we can get into because we had different uh, very different roads to getting into this room at this point we do uh, for sure yeah so uh i guess yeah we'll just continue on with the episode here i know there's a couple more things we want to touch on before we get to riding the bus yeah so let's talk about brock besser chris he's a player that you know he was on the first line at the start of the year we talked about it how him and Pedersen were inseparable Bo Horvat called him a lean, mean, PD winger machine. <laughs> but that's no longer what he is, really. Now it's become JT Miller and Pedersen are those two kind of inseparable players. And Jake Furtan has done a very good job in the role that Brock Besser was occupying at the start of the year. Brock Besser now finds himself on the third line. Yeah, he definitely, yeah. I mean, like, 
he kind of jumped the second line because he's on the second scoring line, right? That's what we've called this third line quite a bit. Uh, one point in his last six games. He just came off of one point against the San Jose Sharks on Wednesday night, which was great. He was also a positive two that night, whatever you take out of plus minuses. But yeah, I mean, like he's moved down to this line, but like I thought he was playing one of his better games against San Jose. Like he, that's what we kind of called for last week. We said, okay, if Brock's going to play on this line, he's going to get a lot of easier matchups. He's going to be in a spot where he's relied upon to be a guy shooting the puck a lot and setting up plays. And, and man, Wednesday, like he was, like he was the best player on that line. And I know he played, you know, a, a few more minutes in that game compared to what we've seen that line play in the past. He got up to 17 minutes after the three games before he was under 15. And yeah, he got to play a little bit more with that third line and they controlled the puck in the offensive zone. I thought it was, it was one of the better nights I've seen out of an Adam Gaudette line. And that was a big reason for that was Brock Besser. You're totally right, but one thing I want to ask you, Chris: When does Brock Besser get back onto the first line? Yeah, that's uh, that's the question because I, I think that a lot of us don't think the answer to who's playing with Miller and Pedersen is Jake Vertanen, though. Like, I don't know. I think it's, it's making you believe it lately. It's more about Jake Vertanen than it is about Brock Besser. I think at this point, because the fact that Jake Vertanen is having success on that line and they are controlling a lot of the puck, they have it in the offensive zone a ton of the time. And like I mentioned earlier in the episode, Jake creates a lot more space for those two guys because it's it's such a different type of player playing with them than you see Brock Besser because Brock Besser like he's an offensive guy. He's you know he's improved his two way game quite a bit, but I think that he plays a similar game to like we see a Patterson or a JT Miller play. They like to slow the pace of play down a little bit, especially in the offensive zone. They're the kind of guys who like to bring it in, set it up, and then go from there. With Jake Vertanen. It's such like, uh, it, well, you're a baseball guy. It's like getting three fastballs in a row. You're going to be able to know what you get. But, man, when you throw two fastballs and a changeup, the changeup is going to be the thing that messes you up. And right now, Jake Vertanen is kind of the changeup on that line with his speed, which is completely opposite from what I just mentioned because Jake's faster. But it's like it's like throwing a fastball, another fastball, and then cranking up to like an Aroldis Chapman fastball. Yeah, good thing the Canucks don't play the Houston Astros because then they'd figure <laughs> out Jake Vertanen right away. They'd oh, get, brutal. They'd get on that changeup, no problem. <laughs> Banging on the drum. Oh, jeez. But yeah, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from Jake Vertanen, and I think that's what makes it so hard. Is Brock Besser's kind of left on the outside looking in. He wants to be on that first line. He wants to be with his best friend on the first line. Like, yeah. why would you not want to be on Elias Pettersson's wing? But right now, Jake Vertanen's doing a very fine job, and they're controlling play. They're doing everything you'd like to see out of your top line, and there's absolutely no reason to put Brock Besser back on that line because, you know, his play on the third line hasn't been anything remarkable. It's no. not like he's gone down and just ripped it up on the third line. I thought like, it, his best game was the Wednesday. Yeah, and was he really that noticeable in that game? Yeah. Exactly, right? Like, I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm just thinking, like, when are we going to see Brock Besser get back on that first line? Because you kind of assume that Jake Vertanen is not going to be a lock for years to come on Pedersen's wing, but who knows? Maybe that's this is the start of something that will one day be kind of laughing about. We'll be like, remember when we didn't <laughs> think Jake Vertanen was going to be on Pedersen's wing forever? Yeah, and you know the funny thing that looking at some of the underlying numbers, I mean, you look at the lotto line together, they played about 400 minutes of 5-on-5 five five together. They're scoring about four goals per 60 minutes, which is you know very, very impressive. When Brock's off that line, they're somewhere around three. But the thing that we're seeing when Brock Besser's taken off of that line is that they're throwing a lot more shots towards the net, almost 10 more per 60 minutes. I mean, that's that's damn impressive, and I think that's a lot due to Jake Vertanen. And then if you look at some more of the numbers, I mean, they're shooting at a really high clip. They're at about you know just under 12% as an on-ice shooting percentage together. But when Brock's not there, it drops down to 7. And I think that's a lot to do with Jake Vertanen. 
being on that line, but at the same time, like when you're producing and you're only scoring on 7% of the shots that you're shooting at, you know, like people who are in the analytics community know that you're not going to shoot at 7% forever. So that line with Jake Vertanen is probably going to start, you know, scoring a lot more. And then it makes you think, okay, what does Brock Besser do when he's away from these guys? And Brock Besser scores at a pretty high rate when he's away from these guys as well. He scores at a way higher rate. He's scoring at a higher rate away from them than Elias Pettersson and JT Miller are scoring when Brock's away from them. So there is a lot of logic thrown into this about how, how I guess you can get more scoring out of your top nine group. And creating a second scoring line is something that they've been trying to do for a long time because, like we talk about every week here, that second line of Horvat is a two-way line that's going to be out there to shut down the other team's line. If you can find another line that can score goals, that's what a lot of playoff teams have. All the playoff teams have you know a line that scores and plays so many minutes, like we see with the lotto line here in Vancouver. But a lot of these teams in the playoffs, they have another line that's whether it's their third line or their fourth line. We've seen a lot of hybrid fourth lines that are able to score goals. But what I think the Canucks are trying to do and create with that third line is use Adam Gaudet. He's got a lot of offensive potential. And Brock Besser you know, has a lot of offense in his game. He's the type of guy that you probably want to see play with them as well. So, yeah, I mean, like, they're trying something. It's one of it, one half of it's working. We haven't seen the goals really come for Brock Besser on that third line, but I wouldn't be surprised if they start to come here pretty soon because he, I thought he played a great game on Wednesday night. And I don't know. We'll have to see if it continues because I don't hate the idea of it. You know, I, I don't think that it's going to be long term success because I don't know if Jake Vertanen can continue the success. But man, like, he's proving, Jake Vertanen's proving a lot of people wrong this year. Like, maybe he does have the skill to play with a Patterson and a Miller. Yeah, exactly, and it's crazy to me because we all, like, I don't know, like, I wrote an article when I was still at the Hockey Writers. I wrote an article called Jake Vertanen Do for Breakout Year, but I based the whole article off of this is kind of the age, this is kind of the se- the season that Cam Neely, uh, Todd Bertuzzi all figured it out when it came to becoming a power forward. Even Michael Furlan's name I threw in there. They were kind of older when they figured it out. But mm-hmm. then, you know, like, obviously a lot of people don't think Jake Vertanen's a power forward, and, you know, you have to understand that when you what look at it. What do you think it. Jake Vertanen is? I don't know. I don't want to give him a player type. That's what's yeah. so hard about it, right? Like, I always say he's an underachieving power forward because when he was successful, he was a power forward. So I think if he does those things correctly, he's at his best. But when we see him make plays like he did the other day, other game with uh, Miller and Pedersen, you kind of look at how the position of a power forward is evolving, right? And maybe he's a modern day power forward, but I don't know when I when I when you say a power forward, I still think of like a Chris Kreider. You know what yeah. I mean? But I mean the games evolve so much that I think that the role of a power forward could evolve as well. But yeah, like you mentioned, like Jake Jake hasn't been as physical, I'd say, even this year, right? Like he's using his skating more than he's using his physicality, which was a big reason he was drafted because he was big. And he was damn physical. Like I remember seeing him at World Juniors just crushing people, seeing the highlights that he had in Hitman was just crushing people. And even this year, but I think he's using his size this year more, you know, when he when he's in a board battle and a player's trying to check him from behind, Jake has so much size and strength, yeah. the players just bounce off him, and that's why he's fitting in with that line. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have to see when Brock Besser gets back on there. How much longer do you think it lasts? Jeez. Well how much longer like, I guess we'll talk about like how much longer do you think the success of Jake Rattan on that line lasts because I think when that ends, Brock Besser's right back up. Yeah, that's right? what I'm going to say, right? And, like, you know, there's guys that are on highs right now. Louis Erickson is playing some of the best hockey of his Canucks tenure right now. Same with Jake Rattan. Jake Rattan's probably playing his best hockey as a Canuck. So once he comes back down to earth, once Louis Erickson uh, supposedly comes back down to earth, we're going to be looking at, you know, 
Brock Besser getting on that first line, but then what do you do with Jake Vertanen, right? Then it becomes this, oh, you should have sold high on him. I knew it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know what? We'll have to see. I'm going to give it a month, and we'll see where we are in a month. But it, It's a good thing to have because if they find success on that third line, it's it's an option. When you get into the playoffs yep. and maybe there there's a shutdown line that's shutting down the lotto line, Maybe that's an option. You put Brock Besser down there yeah. for some scoring, right? Yeah. It's it's good to have options, and I think that's the biggest difference from from past years to this year. Is like there's there's options. We were arguing about the fourth line in this episode, people. Like the Canucks, I, I'm gonna say it. The Canucks are good again. Like I've, I've I've been scared to say it, but like they are. Like they're good again. They're at the top of the Pacific. They're playing well. They have a great goal differential. Like there, like I said it. They're good. They're good again. Okay, relax, Kool-Aid, man. I can't stop. <laughs> I can't, man. With that, I think it's a good time to bring us into what we're going to be introducing a new segment here. So we're going to go to Ride in the Bus, which you all know and love. Uh, but with our new sponsor, Zephyr Epic, we're very excited to announce the Zephyr Play- Epic Player of the Week. So that's the Zephyr Epic Player of the Week poll that we're going to be putting on Twitter. We're going to put four options, two on Instagram, and then we'll put some on Facebook as well. It'll be the same poll uh, about who the Epic Player of the Week was for the Canucks. And we're going to be putting that out on Friday mornings. Uh, you can definitely go check it out. It'll be on the Canucks Convo Twitter account. Uh, go ahead and vote on who the best Canuck of the week was, the most epic Canuck of the week. Yeah, and I we, think what we're going to do is like we're both going to bring our player of the week, and maybe it's going to be different some weeks. And we'll yeah. have that argument, and then we'll see what Twitter says. Uh, you know, I'm going to try not look at the Twitter poll, so like we could see yes. it right when we get here. Yeah, and then I'll have my guy, you'll have your guy. We won't talk about it before, and then uh, yeah, like it'll be some fun doing that player of the week thing. Yeah, exactly. So we're very excited for that new segment again, brought to you by Zephyr Epic, our new sponsor. That's Z E P H Y R Epic. Dot com. You go check them out for all your sports cards needs and your Pokemon card needs as well, if you ever need any of those. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's going to be our new segment. And with that, let's go right into Riding the Bus with Corey Hergott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. All right, guys, joining us now is Corey Hergott of Canucks Army. Corey, how you doing, man? I'm doing well tonight, fellas. How are you guys doing? We're doing very well. We have quite a bit to ask you. So first off, let's talk about the big call-ups. That was Zach McEwen and Justin Bailey. Both got called up, had to get over, uh, to get off on a bus that was just kind of parked on the side of the road there. Yeah, that's uh, AHL life in a nutshell for you. Eh? Uh, this is uh, that's not the first time that's happened with McEwen either. When he got his first call up last year, they were on a on the bus headed to uh, 
man, I want to say maybe Lehigh Valley or Bridgeport, maybe one of those two teams. But, uh, yeah, it happened to him last year. It's just that's the way it works in the American League. You uh, you get your call up when you get it, and you're happy to get it, and you you make your travel plans. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're uh, we're surprised to hear that. I, I didn't know that that had happened to him before, for sure. But um, we're going to talk about that because I'd like to know what you think about them getting called up. And, you know, in the line rushes today, we saw – Tim Schaller back on that line. It was Tim Schaller on the fourth line. We kind of thought that maybe a Justin Bailey could fit into that line. Yeah, I did see. Uh, I did see that. That's the way the line rushes were today. But I also did see um, uh, Travis Green. I think it was uh, Jeff Patterson tweeted out something that uh, Travis Green was saying that there's a there's a chance that we see uh, Bailey playing uh, in one of the games this weekend. Actually, maybe it was Patrick Johnson that that put that out. But uh, I think we'll see Bailey get a game on uh, while he's up. The thing that we do have to remember, though, guys, is uh, this is a team that's fighting for their playoff, uh, you know, their playoff hopes here. And uh, the chance of Travis Green, uh, you know, putting a guy in just to get a look at him or, is probably pretty slim. I think the only way McEwen and Bailey get in is if, uh, you know, one of these other guys can't go. Yeah, we were just talking about that exact thing, right? If this was two years ago, they would for sure want to just go get a look at a young player, for sure. They'd want to see what he can bring to the table. But, you know, I was thinking, like, maybe, you know, you lose Tyler Mott, who's a fast skater, and you replace him with Tim Schaller. I would argue that maybe Justin Bailey's a better option than Tim Schaller, and he actually gives you a better chance at winning. Well, you're preaching to the choir there. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've been watching Bailey. I only saw Bailey play a handful of games over the last couple of seasons because he was, uh, you know, obviously with other teams. But uh, you know, I've been able to watch him play forty some odd games this year, and uh, you know, I, I have a lot of fun watching the guy play. I think he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox that the Canucks could use, and uh, you know, he he's been managing to bring all those tools to the table more frequently this year. That was kind of the knock on him in the past, is you know, for all the the speed and the and the skill that he can bring, uh, he's always kind of been a bit of a streaky player, but. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, banging in three hat tricks in four games is going to pad the stats. But uh, you know he's been pretty consistent here in the last couple of months, and I think that's a guy that can uh, you know bring something to the table that the Canucks could use in a fourth line role. And the thing with Bailey is, uh, you know, he and this is something I found out when I spoke with him when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. He's in constant communication with his coaching staff in Utica, and it sounds like he did the same thing uh, up in Vancouver when he got called up here. Uh, he wants to know what's expected of him, and he does everything he can to uh, to make that work. He wants to make sure that the coaching staff knows that uh, hey, I'm here to I'm here to do what you're asking me to do. And uh, when you've got a guy that's you know got all those skills that he's got, all those tools in that toolbox, and he's eager and willing to uh, put in the work and and do what the coaching staff is asking, you know that goes a long way in uh, you know getting minutes for a guy like that. Corey, what were uh, some of the things that you took away from that interview? Like, especially now that the situation that they're put in where they call up Justin Bailey, like, was there anything specific that you guys talked about about maybe this being an option coming up in the future? About him getting called up? Not really. We didn't really touch on that. Uh, we touched on the fact that, you know, uh, you know, he's having a, a very good season. Uh, but one of my big uh, takeaways from that interview with Bailey was really about the fact that uh, how much value he puts in uh, – 
when Glenn Carnegie comes down from the Canucks. He's their skills coach in Vancouver, and he comes down once every couple of months and works with the team down there. And uh, Bailey just eats it up. Uh, he's he puts a lot of uh, a lot of value in that. He's got a lot of praise for Carnegie, and and uh, you know he he says he really helps him break down his video his work on on videos. Um, you know, showing breaking down plays for him, and and Bailey kind of looks at things differently now than he did in previous seasons. He's able to break down his video work uh, because of the help that he gets from Carnegie. And, uh, you know, he can kind of see what it is that he's, you know, maybe missed on a shift that he didn't really clue into before. So, I mean, at 24 years old, we hear we hear it all the time. Oh, like he's 24. You know, he's getting on the wrong side of, uh, you know, being an older player. Um but you've got a 24-year-old player who's who's got a lot of good things going for him. And uh, one of those things is uh, obviously a strong worth ethic and a drive. And, uh, you know, a, a guy that's highly coachable. Yeah, it's a, it's almost it's almost sad to say, but like I can I can picture Boschford right now screaming like he's twenty four in the AHL. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about the the back to back that we had uh, today, and I guess as this episode comes out here on the Saturday, they're playing the Cleveland Monsters. Um, a pretty historical night, I guess, for a young Utica Comets player right now, and I think I you know who I'm talking about. But before we get to the goaltender, I wanted to ask like. What did you think about this team when they lose guys like Justin Bailey and Zach McEwen that are so important? Because I know you were tweeting about it quite a bit this week that, you know, the lineup looks a lot different in Utica, but man, they showed well on Friday night. Yeah, and that was, uh, that was it. It was, you know, let's see who it is that, uh, steps up you've got your your best scorer on the team boucher leads the league with 50 points and he's out with an injury justin bailey's tied with boucher with 24 goals he's up in vancouver uh zach McEwen is is an offensive force in utica when he's down there and now you know he's up with the big club Jonah Gajevich has been scoring some goals this year, and, and he missed today's game with an injury. He got injured in, in practice, uh, so he wasn't available. So now you're looking at a roster where you've got uh, defenseman Stefan LeBlanc playing left wing on the fourth line. You've got uh, in, a couple of ECHL players there with uh, Tanner Sorensen and uh, David Pope having to fill roles. So, yeah, to see the, the way the team stepped up today and uh, managed to, you know, Cleveland is not the best team in the league. They're, they're, they're pretty far down there, um, so they're certainly not a powerhouse by any means. But, you know, the team stepped up and they did what they had to do. Nikolai Goldobin was the man who stepped it up today with a pair of goals. Um, you know, and Mikey DiPietro ripped out his, uh, his first professional shutout. So uh, hats off to him. I know how good a shutout feels. Yeah, we wanted to ask you about Mikey DiPietro. He got his first career shutout today, which is awesome to see. And, you know, he is really young, and he hasn't spent the same amount of time in the minors as Thatcher Demko has. But with the looming expansion draft and Markstrom hitting free agency, how far away do you think Mikey DiPietro is from being a confident NHL backup? Well, I think he'd have to get some NHL games, like a good run of NHL games under his belt before I'd I'd really be able to, uh, you know be willing to put him into that kind of uh, of a role. I think he's going to need to spend, you know, all of next season in Utica as, uh, you know, the number one guy, the starter down there, maybe get a, a game or two in at the end of the year. I think this will be a process like we saw with, uh, with Thatcher Demko, where he spends a good, you know, two, at least two full seasons, if not three, uh, you know, down in Utica and learning the role of a starter at the professional level. I mean, uh, he played, uh, the, I think the, the Comets had uh, six wins this month in January, and he had five of them. So, 
Uh, he's a guy that's kind of taken uh, taken the starters role away from uh, Zane McIntyre right now, and I, I think he's going to be the guy when they get into the playoffs. Uh, fingers crossed that they make it. I think uh, Di Pietro is going to be the guy that gets the the starts there. I think he's going to be uh, your number one goalie going into the playoffs for this team. And in his rookie year, I think you know, hats off to him. Yeah, and Thatcher Demko, his rookie year, I think you could comments played forty five games. His second year, he played forty six. I mean, you know, we've already seen 23 games out of McIntyre, so it's not like DiPietro's going to play the rest of the year. But is next year something where we can expect DiPietro to play around 50? Is that what you're kind of talking about? I, I would see him probably in that 45, 46 game range probably next year. I think that's kind of that's kind of the, the starter's role uh, down there. They get 76 games in a season. Uh, I think that's kind of going to be kind of where he's he's going to level out at, is my guess. It's going to be interesting to see which way they go next year because Bachman and uh, McIntyre are both unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. They've got uh, uh, Jake Kiley down in Kalamazoo, um, you know, having an, an all right season down there. But I don't know if he's uh, putting up the kind of numbers that are, you know, that's going to earn him, uh, you know, the backup job in Utica next year. So they might go shopping for another kind of... Uh, uh, like a one B kind of a guy, a, yeah. a veteran that that they feel safe calling up if uh, you know if if Markstrom or Demko go down for a stretch and they have to bring a guy up, they're going to want to bring up a guy that they can uh, you know feel comfortable putting into games. And I don't know if Di Pietro will be that guy just yet. So I'd imagine that they're going to have to bring in somebody that uh, fills that sort of stopgap role as well for one more season anyway. Right, Corey, you mentioned that you know what a shutout feels like. Can you talk me through your most famous shutout that you remember? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's been a long time since I played hockey. Um, man, uh, yeah, I, I had a shutout one time in a, up here in, on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, for years and years, there's been a seven-a-side tournament, and uh, you get seven skaters, uh, including your goalie. That's it. You get basically one spare on the bench, <laughs> and uh, you have to change on the fly. So, uh it's uh, it makes for there's not a full obviously not full games I think it, we did uh, two ten minute stop time periods or something like that but uh, yeah I, I pitched a, a couple of shutouts in those games over the years and and they were usually a lot of fun uh, I had one um, I had a, I was put on a team that was kind of thrown together at the last minute for the tournament and uh, every once in a while you'd get some. Uh, you know, junior players would show up down there, guys that used to live on the coast that uh, would bring a few of their buddies from junior down with them. So I was on a team full of uh, scabbed together guys, basically. We had seven guys that had never played together, really. And uh, we got dominated in our first game against a really young team full of, of uh, kids that had been playing some junior. And then uh, the second game, I, I peeled off a shutout against another uh, team full of guys like that. And uh, so that one was a pretty big one for me as a beer league goalie and uh, shutting out some uh, some junior players. It was it go. was pretty fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Corey, thank you so much for doing this, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks again, guys. Have a good one. You as well. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. 
Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. All right, and a huge thank you once again to Corey Hergott for joining us for Riding the Bus. That's one of my favorite segments on this show for sure. As someone who doesn't really watch much of the comments, it's pretty cool to kind of talk to him and learn about what's going on down there and he has very good insight so thank you once again to Corey. Uh, before before we get off of that i gotta mention okay so i was on uh utica i was back on their station on yes, monday yeah k-rock i forgot about the uh i forgot about the interview that i was doing or that i was jumping on with them at 4 30 so i'm at canadian tire like and i was going to look for a new muffler for my truck and uh i'm at canadian tire and i get this phone call and it's like utica pops up on the number i'm like oh crap so i like i was like i was talking to the guy like in the line and i was like sorry i gotta go and i like ran down an aisle and like hid in the spot there was a bunch of posters and i like, pulled them apart and like stuck my like head in the aisle so like you couldn't hear because there's like people banging around and talking and like at one point so i go and i do like the 15 minute 20 minute hit with them and like people are like staring at me awkwardly so i'm like doing a hit and i wanted to make a joke and be like oh i'm doing this from a canadian tire but like they're in Utica, they're in the states. They don't even know what a freaking Canadian tire is. So it's just like <laughs> it was such an awkward spot to be in with Holy it. But uh, yeah, that's my first Canadian tire hit that I've ever done. That <laughs> so is funny. so funny. People are like, uh, "Mommy, what's that guy doing with his head in the posters?" Yeah, what's no, this no, guy no. yelling about gold open? About? <laughs> but uh, they mentioned that they love the uh, the free Goldie movement, and, oh, and yeah. it's reached Utica. So that's kind of cool. Awesome, man. That, our work here is done. It looks <laughs> like. <laughs> but anyways, um. I did want to talk about the biggest news in the sporting world for sure is the passing of Kobe Bryant and those others that were on the helicopter. They all unfortunately lost their lives. It's really, really sad. And especially like Gianna Bryant, like I I was looking at all the stuff about her and just like everything that she was accomplishing and was going to accomplish. Like she just recently started playing basketball and it was really cool because she, uh, she went to her dad and said, Hey, I want to learn like basketball. Can you teach me basketball? And he said like she's got it. She was like right from day one. She was she had it. And you know it, it's so sad because she dreamt of playing in the WNBA, and it would have been really cool to have seen a Bryant in the WNBA, right? That's and so just, true. Yeah, Mamacita. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. But yeah, Chris, why don't you just kind of talk about what Kobe meant to you? Yeah, like, man, I, I know this is like a Vancouver Canucks podcast and a hockey podcast, but like when something like this happens and, you know, it, this is this is probably one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest impactful deaths that I've seen like in my life. I think, you. I mean, you're, you're younger than me. You're only 20 years old. Actually, pretty soon your birthday's around the corner, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's coming up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like you've been alive for 20 years, I think, aside from like did Michael Jackson die when you were alive, right? Yeah, I think it was like. So like, nine. aside from that, like I, I can't think of such a you know a quick and just like a death that just a surprise death. Like I don't know what the right yeah. word to say is for it, but like man, Kobe Bryant. So I, I was born in 1993. He was drafted, I think, in 1997. So growing up, like I, I I loved all sports. Right, I'd watch all sports. I'd watch TSN. I'd watch Sports Center with Don Taylor every night. And the thing that was like always on was like Kobe averaging 30 points every single game. So like Kobe Bryant to me was, like, the guy who got me into basketball, him and Shaq in the early 2000s, and, like, that, like, Kobe Bryant was basketball to me. Like, he, his mentality was awesome, and just yeah. seeing especially how he kind of developed as an older player as well. Um, yeah, like, that's, I, I don't know, like, to me, when I think of basketball players, and, and it's just, you know, the time that I was alive, he was the best player that I saw play in his prime. And uh, the way that he, you know, dominated games and put up 81 points against the Toronto Raptors, which was, you know, my team here because they're Canadian, and putting up 60 in his final game, like, yeah, like, man, it's it's crazy how, 
and uh, like I was at the Canucks Autism Network's um, practice and and games that they had this past weekend, uh, and it was it, you know it's not often that like the crowd actually is like oh you hear like murmuring the crowd and something's going on but like that's that's actually like what was happening like at the Canucks practice and the and the alumni games that they were playing like that's how I heard it. I heard some guy behind me like mention dude did you see the news did you see the news and then I was like. Oh, like something huge must have happened. Like people in front of me were talking. Everyone, like, there's people starting to cry and stuff. And I was like, wow. And it's just, yeah, losing a guy like that at 40, 41 years 41, old, I think he yeah, was, 41. and his daughter, and then the seven other people on board. I know that there was a a coach that was involved as well, and his family. Like, man, it's just, you know, these things they happen every day. Like everybody, you know, somebody's dad dies every day, somebody's mom dies every yeah. day. But and just, it's so sad to say. But when it when it impacts you like the way that Kobe Bryant did, it's just. It makes you really like think about how lucky you are just to, to even be to be fucking alive like a yeah. lot of the time. Like yeah. it's crazy to think about. And yeah, like it just it, it makes you take a step back and, and just look at everything and, and uh it's too bad that like that death makes that makes that like makes people do that. Because like I think a lot of the time and, and you heard a lot of it from people like after, like I know Shaquille O'Neal did an amazing job and hearing other people talk mm-hmm. about their story or what stories they had or what you should take away from the situation. Is, is something that like Kobe Bryant would have wanted. That's what they said. Like, like he would have wanted someone to come out of this with a positive way somehow. And that's so crazy to say, but I think that, you know, a lot of people have, and a lot of people have started to appreciate their people around them and the people that have helped them out and impacted their lives because like Kobe affected a lot of people's lives, especially, you know, people involved in basketball way more than, than us who like hockey. But yeah, he, he was basketball. He was the basketball player that was at, was the best in the league when I grew up watching. So yeah, it's, it's a horrible loss. It's a horrible loss for for basketball. It's a horrible loss for sports. It's a horrible loss for the world. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say, man. I'm not too great at talking about these things. It's just it's it's a lot. Yeah, no, me neither. And like, what I will say is like, Kobe's the one that got me into basketball for sure. And like, I think you know, I was never a great basketball player when I was younger. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was he was someone that you could kind of look at his work ethic that he put into basketball and everything he did for the game and like how hard he worked, that work ethic and that Mamba mentality, you can apply that to anything in life. And I think like, you know, I'm someone who has a pretty good work ethic when it comes to like my writing and, you know, all the podcasting that we do and everything. Um, And I think that's always been something that like another athlete that I learned that from is like Derek Jeter. Right. And like I played baseball um, at a much higher level than I did basketball. Um, And you kind of, you kind of learn from these guys. And even if you don't play the sport that they're in, you can really learn a lot from them. And especially with those two guys in particular, and like Kobe for sure, this is just like you outwork everybody else and you'll be, you'll be successful, chase your dreams. And it's like really a lot of what he preached is like what I'm kind of doing right now and what I've been doing since like December when I first sent you that message and like got on the Canuck way and everything. Um, So yeah, this is a death that definitely hits hard and, you know, it, it's crazy because we just lost Botch, right? And that yeah. was another one that was like, you know, despite us never really meeting him and just having like some interactions with him over the internet, those are like two really tough deaths to comprehend. And like, you know, obviously I've like talked to Cat Botchford and everything at the Botchford Project night and all that stuff. And I know how hard it was for her. And like, because of like what she told me and everything, like I'm really just thinking about Vanessa Bryant right now and like yeah, how how like devastated she must be. Cause yeah, like I, I definitely um like, I don't want to say I know what that's like, but hearing what cat had to say and all that sort of stuff, like that's, it's unimaginable. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so crazy to think about because like you and me, 
we were just out for we went out to dinner before this and like we something that kept coming up was like oh everything happens for a reason and it's like well well why the fuck did this happen you yeah know, like, exactly it's, it's it's such a strange thing but um the other thing i wanted to talk about was like what did you think about how the media covered it because the fact that tmz is the people that are breaking it was mm. you know like scary because a lot of people saw that it was tmz and it was like like oh this like this can't be real mm. and then we saw abc tweet out that all four of his daughters were on like yeah, what did you I, think about the whole well, day of sunday well fuck i was at work and i was just going through on my phone and i couldn't believe it right like um but yeah, when they tweeted out that all four of his daughters were on board, like, holy shit, man, you cannot just get that wrong. And they did get it wrong, yeah. thankfully. It was a false report, but you, like, it's tough to say because you want, you obviously want to get to the truth first, but now in the digital age, everything is about being the first to break the story. And, you know, TMZ was the first to break the story, but you know TMZ, that's how the family found out. Like, that's, they didn't... That's the worst. I hate... You know, yeah, like, that like, was that was tough to hear, man. Like, yeah, that's fucked. Like, it is. And the fact, you know, like, TMZ, it sucks that, like, that's... That's, like, they're... They have to do that, you know? Like, that, yeah. that's what, like, social media has brought people to that point yeah. where, you know, TMZ has to report that. And the fact that they... That is, you know, that the wife and the kids and they, they have to find out because TMZ has to do it. Like, like, social media is such a weird... Is such a weird different thing that we didn't have in the past and you know there's so much great that comes out of social media this this show has came out of social media i mean yeah exactly and you know there's but there's so much bad that comes out of it and you hear about that and it's just like man that's so you know like there's no other like it's bad it sucks that social media has to do that as well but at the same time you know and then you mentioned the misreporting it's just like it's brutal and uh yeah i don't really like have like a like a specific Kobe story to even like talk about. And, you know, we obviously never met him. We were, we weren't really huge basketball people, but I think that I, you know, I'm the same as you and we're, you know, I think we're what, like six years apart, seven years apart. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he was the guy that we both like think about when we were, you know, in our, when you were in elementary school and I was in high school and we were watching basketball and we were watching the same guy dominate the sport. And the fact that they, that you lose that guy at 41 in such a freak accident, uh, it's it's tough, man. It's really tough, and it's going to be tough to, to to even like transition out of this and close out the show. But uh, you're the host. I'll uh, I'll let you try and do that at least because I think we spoke a little bit about Kobe here. And uh, yeah, I'll let you take this one out. Quads. Yeah, Good luck. I'll take us out here. Um, yeah, I just also wanted to add like the thing that hits hardest about like this death as well is like Kobe was a good father, right? And like I I don't know. I always uh, like I guess I have like a like I I, I always feel worse when it's a parent that like loses and it's like you know a widow or a widower it's just yeah it's it's really tough for sure man and like but, as like kobe's parents i believe they're both still alive yeah. and i think that's you know you hear that a lot like the worst thing for anyone is to have to to bury your own child or lose your child and that's just you know that's that's yeah it happens so often and it's too bad that it happens that way but uh yeah, uh, tough situation overall, but man, you see the outpouring of, of everyone. You see what's going on yeah. at Staples Center, um, and you see everything that, uh, you know, I saw like clips of people on NBA 2K walking in a line, and then you hear some of these people talk, and, and uh, one of the one of the things that got me was like when, when you see all the tweets about like Girl Dad, that was, yeah, uh, that was cool. pretty cool stuff that's because cool. like hearing him talk about his daughter on some of these shows, even like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, I think yeah, he was Jimmy on. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. He was on Jimmy Kimmel a bunch of times talking about his daughter and and. and I think I tweeted about it, but like I, I grew up with like the opposite. Like my mom single handedly like raised me and my brother, and she was like a my mom was like a boy mom. 
Like that's what she had growing up. So that it kind of connected with me a little bit in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough to talk about, man. It's uh, it's definitely tough to talk about. And it's definitely hard to transition out of. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm gonna, that's, all, that's all I got on the whole I'm situation. gonna attempt to here. Like <laughs> so <laughs> that's actually the end of this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Again, a huge thank you to Carson Foe for joining us on this episode. And yeah, don't forget to subscribe to that Patreon that we brought up earlier. You can get a free t shirt and all that sort of stuff. We got all the bonus content as well. And once again, thank you to our presenting sponsor, Parallel Forty Nine Brewing, for sponsoring us. And again, Zephyr Epic, who we touched on earlier. We're gonna have a new segment coming Uh, brought to you by them next week and you can look forward to all of our stuff on social media with them for chris faber i'm david gudrelli and this has been the canucks conversation mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.